Welcome to episode 22 of the One Life Podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. Our mission at One Life is to inspire you to take risks, dream big, and to live your life on purpose. Guys, I want to take a quick second and tell you about our sponsor today, The Porter Box. The Porter Box is jewelry that tells your story. We love this company so much and the heart behind it. When I need a special gift, the Porter Box is one of my go-tos for sure. If you have a special verse or a saying you want to remember or a picture of a loved one, or my favorite thing to do is create a necklace for the word that I'm focusing on for the year. They work with you to create a beautiful piece of jewelry around what's special to you. You can check them out at theporterbox.com and use the code ONELIFE15 to receive 15% off your order. Y'all, we are so pumped to introduce you to our guest today. All the way from Bethel Church in Redding, California. She's an incredible speaker, author, a mom of four boys. Right there, that's the she's got <laughs> She's the incredible. Right. She's been in full-time ministry for over 20 years, and she's the founder of a nonprofit online community called Truth to Table that's truly making an impact in tons of people's lives. Yeah. We are talking about none other than Havila Cunnington. Sometimes we miss that moment. We think when when we have the best-selling book or when we have the platform ministry or when we have the marriage or when we have the income, then I'll feel validated. And I don't think validation comes from that moment. I think validation comes by us knowing who we are in the journey, not what we are at the end of it. Havila is bringing the heat today, y'all. You know, we talk about her journey to finding her calling, bringing her dreams to life through Truth to Table, and the heart behind her latest book, Stronger Than the Struggle. Yeah, we were so impacted by our conversation with Havila. Not only did she share insane amounts of wisdom from her journey, she also just encouraged the heck out of us to lean fully into God's calling on our lives. Guys, you will be so pumped up and encouraged after you listen to this chick today. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Havila. Well, guys, welcome to another episode of the One Life Podcast. We are here with a really special guest today with Havila Cunnington. She is pretty amazing. She's the founder of a nonprofit and online community called Truth to Table. They've got a podcast, Bible studies, messages, all kinds of stuff. She's married to her husband, Ben, and has four boys. Yep. Avila, welcome to the One Life Podcast. Thank you. I'm honored to be here with you guys at One Life. It's an honor to speak with you, and I'm excited about our conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. We're, we're very honored to have you today. For our listeners who don't know you yet, um, would you just take a minute, tell us a little bit more about yourself and kind of what you do and who you are? Sure. Well, my name is Havla Cunnington, clearly, and Mm -hmm. I am a wife and a mom. So I've been married to my husband, Ben, for almost 13 years. And um, he is the, he really directs all of our media and filming and editing over at Truth to Table. And Truth to Table is um, a nonprofit ministry that we started a couple of years ago. And we kind of took it from farm to fork. It's Truth to Table. You kind of hear the connotation, yes? Yeah. And so the goal is to bring truth to people's tables on a regular basis. And tables are where life happens. And so we do that by podcasts and video Bible studies. And I write like 20 day devotionals and we film them and we throw them up every January. And then we also began an online um, community called uh, the table membership. So our table tribe is a consistent membership that opens up like once or twice a year, you can join our table. And then in the middle of all that, I get to travel. We travel around the world and speak a couple times a month. 
But beyond all of that, really, I am an incredible um, laundry folder and <laughs> and carpooler. And then we have, because I didn't have enough going on, we got our, our dog, Bear, who's a 65-pound red golden doodle who is yet to be trained. Oh, my <laughs> word. Oh, my <laughs> that's our life. So, yeah, so that's what we do. We're, we live in Redding, California, and I'm a California girl, born and raised. And so that's where our ministry is located, and I also attend and um, really get to serve at my church, Bethel, in Reading. Awesome. So you, wow. added, a, you added a fifth male to, or a sixth <laughs> male, yeah. You're totally I, outnumbered. Right? It's, it's insane. I laugh because I grew up in a very female home. I have an identical twin sister, and I have a mom, and I have a full Italian dad who's like almost a girl. And so <laughs> I am absolutely outnumbered. I've learned to speak boy. That took me a couple of years to speak boy, but I do speak man very well. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm completely surrounded. That's amazing. We have four girls. We have one boy and four girls. So we're the opposite over here. Our poor son is outnumbered completely. <laughs> He'll speak woman though, and that's going to be fantastic. As you exactly, like, up, yep. his wife is going to thank you. She's going to be like, "You girls did it. Thank you." Yep, exactly. <laughs> no, he's a exactly. Great kid. No, yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And you know, we talk all the time about the power of story, and we want to hear a little bit more about your story. I mean, here you are, but. Part of the whole idea of this one life thing is helping people understand there's a journey to get to this place where we are today. So I'd love to hear how you guys got here. You said you've been married 13 years. Was this always the dream? Was this always the plan? The, yeah. Kind of living out this calling? Kind of give us that understanding of what that looks like. Yeah, I love that. I love, I'm all about story too. And I agree, you know, it's not just a bio or a profile. It really is a life behind all that. And I did not think I would be doing what I'm doing today. I mean, I had no no plan to do this. I was very much hiding as a, as a young woman in high school. I very quickly learned in my education that I had learning issues. And I started to sense that about third grade and they brought in a professional to come and test me. I remember being taken out of my classroom and then being told that I had a, a, some dyslexia as well as some reading comprehension issues and began to really find holes in my education early on. And for a season, I could fake it. But I remember in high school, feeling a deep sense of loss, being lost in everything. And that's when I really felt that I spent a lot of my energy hiding, hoping that no one would understand how completely behind and lost I was in my education. So I um, cover that up with my social skills. And um, spent a lot of my energy just hoping that no one would understand where I was at. And so when I was 17, I was really a, kind of a chameleon. In school, I wanted to be cool and fit in. And in, in my church, I wanted to kind of fit in there, but, but kind of stand under the radar all along. And I was 17 and some guys picked my sister and I up to go to a party one night. And we got in the backseat of this car and I didn't think it was any other night than the nights we had had. And um, as we're driving and the music is playing, I, I begin to hear the Holy Spirit speak to me and in my heart. And all of a sudden I heard him say, Havala, what are you doing? You can't live like this. Like you, this, you've got potential. You've got a call. I've got, I've got more on your life. And I was so compelled. I just shouted out over the music. Can you turn the music down? To which the guy turned the music down in the front. And I, without really knowing what I, what to do, I just shouted out, I have a call of God on my life. <laughs> it was like a total buzzkill in that moment. Yeah. But it was profound. It was a profound moment for me because... 
there was something about my two worlds merging and me beginning to be the woman that I knew I was called to be and wanted, I think desperately wanted to be. And so I began to cry. I look over at my sister. She's crying. So obviously something's happening in this car. And I just tell the guys, hey, I'm going to serve God. You're welcome to do that if you want, but I'm going to do this. And we get out of the car that night, go into the house, kneel down by one of our beds. And I said this prayer, which I've said thousands of times telling my story, but it never loses its moment. I say, you know, God, I'm not much. I'm young. I'm a girl. I have no special gifts or graces. In fact, I have a lot of issues in my learning, but if you can use anyone, you're welcome to use me. And that was the defining moment for me. And so at that point, I um, began to to make decisions that aligned with what I had declared over my life and then uh, quickly got into ministry and did not even, I think, intentionally try to do that. I mean, I just began to let the fire kind of burn within my own life and had opportunities to share that. And, you know, when you have a a presence on your life and you begin to live out the call of God on your life, you become very attractive into the realm that God's calling you. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it was to travel and speak. So my sister and I cleaned houses for like um, years and years during the week. And we would pay for our gas to go preach on the weekends. And we would go up and down the California coast. We had a little convertible, red and white little cabrio convertible. And we'd jump in that convertible. We'd just go and travel and do retreats and conferences. And then about 23, to make a a long story even longer, about 23, I talked to the Lord. And again, I wasn't really dating at that point. I had had some relationships, but it wasn't, that wasn't my main goal. The Lord said to me, Havilah, you're not going to be able to build your story of your family and your marriage if you don't slow down and actually begin to look for it. Mm. And so he really asked me, is this what you want? And I said, I really do. I want to be married. I want kids. I was in a minister's home. I realized that ministry will always be here. Ministry will always be here. And there'll be people that will come and go. But who's going to sit around your table? You know, at the end of your life, who's going to, what's your legacy? And I just really had a conviction that my legacy could be around my kitchen table. So I stopped and I began to look for my husband. It took me a couple of years. And I like to say good meat takes time to marinate. And so my husband was <laughs> marinating and I met him at 25, married uh, about 27 and then started having kids, had kids within five years, had four boys. Oh my word. History. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. That's amazing. Wow. I had to trade in that convertible for an SUV. Absolutely, yes. (laughs) You know what? That's Uh, awesome. So much better. I mean, you guys know, I mean, you have kids and it's, you know, having kids is is the reward. I always say, Yeah. yeah, I get to go out and preach, but my congregation of four is the most important congregation that I have. And I really genuinely believe that. Absolutely. Oh, I love that so much. And thank you for sharing that moment. I I read that in the book and I remember that standing out to me so much. I think we all have those moments on the other side of any kind of victory where we have that wake up moment, right? We talk a lot about that here at One Life that you have those moments where you realize, oh my goodness, I have one life. What am I doing? Am I living? Am I just sitting on the sidelines watching everyone else live? I have to rise up. And I love that you talk about that in your book, and I'm really excited to jump into it. But before we do that, talk a little bit more about Truth to Table. I love that you're doing that, and it really sounds like that's kind of the basis of your calling and your ministry. Talk about how you started Truth to Table, how, how that began, and kind of the journey of bringing that new thing to life. I love that. You're right. It is definitely something that's my passion. And again, I feel like my whole life I've stumbled onto things, but I agree with you. It's the conviction to live your one life 
It, it, mm-hmm. Once you have that conviction, then I think things open up to us. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. we're waiting for us to know what the plan is so we can have the conviction. And I think mm-hmm. conviction has to begin first, right? And right. so in my own life, table, I did not assume, like, I didn't know what, I, I just assumed like, oh, I'll just be a ministry. I was at that point, I was a worship pastor, changed into being a teaching pastor at a church. And that was really what I was doing. I was loving it. I was a mom, so I could do that, um, go in and lead worship, but then also be home most of the time with my family. And there was a point where I started to have more kids. <laughs> Every time I hug or kiss, I would get pregnant. And so I started <laughs> having more children. And yep. I'm going to say like, oh, I'm hungry for God. At this point, I'm an ordained minister and I'm hungry for God, but I, I'm looking for ways to strengthen my spiritual life. And everywhere that I would turn, I found that it was like, oh, you can come and be a part of our Bible study, but you're going to have to be here at, for six weeks in a row. You're going to have to come to church and you're going to have to pay you know, $50. And not only that, you're probably going to have to find babysitting. And I just found that the investment was more than I can invest, but I knew I had a hunger to stay connected in my spiritual life. And mm-hmm. so I began to look for a study. And this was back in the day when we didn't have a lot of social media going on and a lot of online. So I looked for a Bible study that was quick, like five to seven minutes a day and um, something that was relatively inexpensive or free and something that I could do without having to put like pants on, you know, or <laughs> so yeah. I began to live for that and I, I couldn't find it. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, if you're looking for something you can't find, maybe I've called you to do it yourself. And so I began, I simply wrote a study called Radical Growth, a guidebook to growing a vibrant life. And through a really you know unique situation, I thought, oh, I'll throw it up on my Facebook. I'll start a Facebook group. And what I'll tell them is I'm going to teach five minutes a day from my kitchen table for 25 days. And I'm going to teach it through my new devotional, which sounded like a brilliant idea. And it was, <laughs> except that my goal was that my four boys would sit quietly for those seven, 10 minutes a day. So I could preach the word in silence at my kitchen table, which was a joke. And so I put it online and I assumed maybe like 50 women would join me. And by the end of the night, we had 600 people signed up for this. And I thought I'm completely out of control. So I went in and told my husband because I hadn't asked him before because I knew he probably would say no if I said my plan. So he came to the rescue as Ben Cunnington does And he got a camera and we recorded them, pre-recorded them. I mean, sometimes within the next day, I mean, we were completely faking, faking it till we make it right. Fake it till you make it. And, um, and so we threw it up there and we just found that there was this huge hunger. And so, uh, we decided to host free studies every January and Bethel music came to us at one point and said, Hey, we love what you guys are doing. Would you let us practice with you? We want to prepare this platform where you guys could throw your stuff, all your videos onto one, one place and people could come and find you. And so they did that graciously prepared that for us. And the first month we had 25,000 people from around the world join in on our study. And they called us up and said, you're using all of our bandwidth. <laughs> we, said, we told you women are crazy. And so they, they did it. So we, you know, through, through a series of different platform changes and investments, we just realized, oh my goodness, we are scratching an itch in the spiritual world, which is that women are looking for this in their own kitchen table. So first of all, if they have five or eight minutes a day, how do I actually, like, what do I do with that? Because that just seems like, okay, now that I have five or eight minutes, what do I do? Where do I start? And then also, how do I know that I'm on the right path in the journey? And so we've just spent a lot of time 
nurturing that in our community. So it's really a website that we have a membership that people, um, it's a, it's a paid membership for those, for those that decide to join us. But then there's a bunch of free stuff on there. There's full length messages, there's studies with other people. And then we do like courses. So Lisa Bevere joined me in one of my courses called Moms of Men. And we just have like more in depth, but you know, stick with us. We've got a lot going on, but that's really my passion. And my goal is I want to be at my kitchen table most days. And that allows me to do that without being a road warrior, which I really am not interested in being right now. All right. So you, I mean, you've had some success and you saw a lot of that out of the gate, but obviously there's probably been roller coasters along the way from the emotions or waking up going, what am I doing? Um, can you, Cause I think sometimes that we always get to that place where we hear this place where people are like, Oh yeah, it's uh, it's so easy and so amazing. And I'm, I'm here now, but there's been a journey to get to this place. Can you share a little bit of that kind of the ups and downs of this, right. of this ride? No, I don't know what you're talking about. My life has been so perfect. <laughs> Oh, gracious. I mean, I write, I mean, no, I'm teasing. I um, absolutely would agree with that. And I'm at the end of about a 20 year journey of sewing. And so, you know, at 18, 19, 20, I'm preaching. And then I kind of call it my dark years, my silent years where I'm doing this same thing like Groundhog Day every single day for 10 years. And I remember at one point I had the, the privilege of being in a room with Joyce Meyer, um, just a private gathering a couple of years ago. And there was a group of about 50 of us. And I asked her the question, you know, Joyce, I see that you started your ministry at 40 and we can find videos of you on YouTube, but, but then we just see these like massive stadiums and like, where were you? How did you do that? And she said, oh, there was, I call those my dark years. And I thought, that's it. I agree with that. There's that, those years where you just do the thing in front of you that God's the last thing God told you to do, you do it. And I did that. And I I remember, you know, that's the seasons when we grow like our endurance and strength and perseverance. And we choose to believe when, even when we can't see it. And for me, that was definitely my late twenties, my mid twenties. And I really went through a season. I remember writing a message called when God hides himself, <laughs> which just tells you where, how I was feeling. I just felt like I'm just doing the exact same thing every single day, day in and day out. And the monotony of it was very hard. It's, it's difficult. And then um, when we came to Bethel, we had amazing favor. And I remember somebody saying to me, oh, you know, are you amazed? Like, what are you doing differently since you got here? And I looked at him, I said, nothing. I'm not doing anything different. I've been doing it for the last 10 years. I'm amazed that there's, there's a shift that happened. And I think it's that David thing, you know, like he's on the other side of the mountain, killing, you know, taking care of sheep, doing the exact same thing day in and day out. And then one day he kills Goliath. And so I felt that in my own life, seasons of being really single, seasons of being really tired as a mom, seasons of feeling like I'm doing the exact same thing day in and day out. And know, even with success and somewhat of favor, I think one of the most difficult things is losing the anonymity to allow yourself to, to go through process without being on display. And sometimes I want to tell people, take advantage of the, the quiet part of your life, the part where no one's watching, because that's the part where you get to really do what you want to do and go through the process in a messy way, where when you, when you end up being on display or having a public platform, you know, it, it's just more difficult to go through process and allow yourself to be human and allow yourself to go through it. So most of the time when I'm feeling 
more like more maybe important than I am. I'll just go to the laundry. I'll scrub my dishes. I'll, you know, go clean a toilet. It's <laughs> the soul to be normal. It's good for the soul to realize that the Instagram and Twitter and, you know, being a, a two hour book signing is fantastic, but that's a, a very small glimmer to what my regular life is. And the more I'm in these rooms with people that are somewhat like well-known and have a big, are very influential, man, they're just as normal as we are. And they're, they're, they're in the hustle, just like we are. And to be encouraged that you're not doing anything wrong. If it feels like you're going in circles, I think sometimes life looks like the Jericho March and we don't know when we're going to get the breakthrough, but we're going to get it. And ultimately it wasn't the moment of breakthrough that trained like the Israel Israelites to be who they were. It was the journey. And I think sometimes we miss that moment. We think when, when we have the best selling book or when we have the platform ministry or when we have the marriage or when we have the income, then I'll feel validated. And I don't think validation comes from that moment. I think validation comes by us knowing who we are in the journey, not what we are at the end of it. So that's really something I'm learning. And I think I'm still working on. Oh, that's so good. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much Agreed. for sharing that. Great stuff. And yeah. we're right there with you. So, all right, well, let's dive into your book. It's called Stronger Than the Struggle. Tell us how it came to be and what you're hoping people get out of it. Yeah, I was laughing. I was telling somebody the other day when the book publisher, not book publisher, book agent came to hang out with me. Um, she said, okay, let's talk about your book. What do you want to write on? And and I said, well, and I gave her all these you know, sexy ideas. Let's do this and let's do that. And And then she said to me, well, what do people most like to hear you teach on? What's your number one message? And I said, oh, well, you know, you won't believe it, but honestly, it's about spiritual warfare. It's about dealing with our enemy and how do you do that? And and she said, well, let's write your book on that. And I said, no, I don't want to write my book on, I don't want to be the spiritual warfare girl. Like that's really not what I want to go. But as we began to talk about it, she said, you know, I think you have a gift of uncomplicating complicated topics. And she was right. And I think that Mm. came from me feeling so confused in school and in life that when it came to spiritual life, I thought, I don't want anyone to sit in the classroom of our spiritual lives and feel lost. It's not fair. You know, we've all, we should be able to understand what's happening. And one of those most confusing topics was dealing with the devil. If the devil's under our feet and yet the Bible says, don't be ignorant of his schemes and to fight him, then where in the theological conversation are we are we understanding how to deal with him? And so I just unpack that and stronger than the struggle. It's a practical look because really the question is, is it God, myself, or the devil? Where is the struggle coming from? Because if we know, then we can stay empowered in the journey. So if I know it's God teaching me something about being a son or a daughter, oh, well, then I know how to respond. If I, if I know it's the devil, oh, then I can resist him and he'll flee. If it's really just a consequence to the action that I'm having in my own life and it's myself, well, then I can change my habits. So it's really about defining, okay, where is it coming from? And then if it is the enemy going through you know, Ephesians, how Paul tells us to take up the sword of the spirit and then looking at the story of Jesus in the desert, Luke chapter four, how do we fight the enemy? Well, we're going back to the strategy that Jesus left us and Paul commissioned us to use. And so we really unpack that in Stronger Than the Struggle. That's awesome. I, I just finished it and I oh, loved it so much. Oh, yes. And it just oh, yes. really, it, 
It was such a timely read. You know how God just puts those books right in front of us, right in the season we need them. And man, that one was so that for me. And there's a couple of things that I loved about it. And I would love for you to dive a little bit deeper for our listeners. One of the things you talk about, Havilah, is daily choosing courage over fear. That just has stuck with me and I can't stop thinking about it. Could you unpack that a little bit more for us? Sure. I mean, I think if we haven't faced fear, I mean, I don't know anybody who hasn't had to climb the mountain of fear. Like that's real in our lives. And for me, it came to a moment in my story where I had said yes to God and I began to see a little bit of favor. And somebody asked me to share a testimony after worship at this conference down in LA. And I, in the, which is very common for my personality, I said yes before I thought of what it would actually take. (laughs) <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. And then I realized halfway through the day, what did I say? I, I never got in front of anybody in my 30 students in my English classroom, and I'm going to get up in front of thousands of people and share my story. And panic began to hit. And during worship mm-hmm. that evening, I realized I couldn't get out of this unless I left town, you know, or, or left the event. So I ran out <laughs> of the room and behind the building and began to have a panic attack. I mean, I began to sob and cry and couldn't get my breath. And I didn't know what to do. It was like all of the fear and and shame and anxiety was coming to a head in my life. And my dad happened to be at the conference that night, came wandering around the back to find me. And I'm kind of bent over having a, having a panic attack while still loving God. And he came up and I'll, I'll never forget. He grabbed my shoulders and he looked me in the eyes and he said, Havala, now you have a choice. If you don't look at fear as your enemy, it will destroy you. So you get to choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve faith? Or are you going to serve fear? And I knew it. It was kind of like that moment in the movie where somebody like hits the guy in the face, smacks him in the face and says, wake up, you know, shake yourself. <laughs> it was kind of one of those moments for me. And I remember that moment saying, I can't serve fear. Fear is going to trap me. I'm going to be paralyzed. I know what it's like to be terrified of being found out. And I want to serve faith. I want to become the person I know I'm supposed to be. And so I would love to say that at that moment, I never had any fear, which would be a total lie. Um, I've had to overcome fear. And I believe, you know, it's a decision I make every single day. The enemy loves to lie to us. He loves to tell us that what we have is not valuable, that what we have is a joke, that he loves to diminish the call of God. If he can get us to, if he can't take away even the, uh, the purpose in our life, then he'll diminish it. What I found in my own life was that fear needs to be dealt with quickly. If you don't deal with fear, it grows. It's like a disease. It grows into every area of our lives. And all of a sudden, our worlds get really small. And so you have to have courage to go after fear and have a plan. And so for me, the plan for fear for me is to actually go after it. And I like to say out loud four or five times, I will not fear. And I'll look at myself in the mirror and say, Havala, you will not fear. And I will just go after it and say, I am not going to fear. I will not allow this to happen. And you have to get aggressive. You got to kick the devil in the teeth and say, no, you're not going to treat me like this. You're not going to talk to me like this. You know, I'm a child of God. You don't have the right to paralyze me with fear. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that I can be bound in fear and anxiety. No, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's, yeah. that's not a moment. That's a strategy to go after it. And so you just begin to expose it. And half of it is acknowledging it. And the other half right. is walking it out. So that's been really right. in my life. 
Oh, I love that so much. It's so powerful. I think that so often we we wake up and we think that stress and fear and worry is just part of our life. It's just part of living and, and what we have to deal with. And I love that you spoke to that so strongly, reminding us that we really do have power. We really can live in victory. So I think that's so important. I love that. Another one of the things you talk about, Havila, is letting go of the pain of your past and kind of who you were and moving and choosing to live out of how God sees you and the potential that he sees in you. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I think what was kind of eye-opening to me, even theologically, as I began to really study the word, um, when we, you know, we are a trained being, we are spirit, soul, and body. And obviously there's more to us than that. We have unique thoughts and unique feelings and unique, and that makes us our personality. But when we come to Christ and we invite the Holy Spirit to come live within us, everything that was wrong is now made right, which means that um, the spirit comes and our spirit was meant to contain God, like a hand to a glove. We were meant to hold the Holy Spirit within us. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says we are a new creation. We are, all things are passed away and we've been given a new mind. All of a sudden, what was fearful and, you know, lacked any hope or joy, all of a sudden we have all that and that's all accessible to us. But we still have issues. And the issue isn't that we received a partial Holy Spirit or that we need to somehow get more of God. No, no, no. We've received the fullness of God. The issue comes in our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And that becomes the battleground for if we're going to live in the fullness of Christ. So the thoughts that we think, the feelings that we allow to dominate us and our emotions, and then also our will. Our will cannot be renewed. Our will, our human will, which is our determination and our decisions must be surrendered. Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. doesn't mean our will goes away, but it must be surrendered to the work of Christ. And then our minds, the Bible says in, in Romans that our minds must be renewed and that they need to be transformed. It's a process. And then our emotions, I believe, need to be acknowledged but also directed, directed in the right way. So what happens often when we come to Christ is we have this new part of us where the Holy Spirit saying, you're a new creation and you've got a purpose and I've got a plan and this is what I have on your life. But then often we can feel the battle. We go, why is there a battle? Because we have old mindsets or we have old emotions that have led us and we have our own will of what we want to see happen. And so for me, I found that a lot of my constraints or restraints happened to be in the way that I thought about myself and the way that I had believed the things I had believed about myself, whether what someone had said I had put as truth or even myself. And sometimes the enemy doesn't have to say it more than once or twice. As long as we're willing to take it from him and continue to repeat it over ourselves, that's where we end up hurting ourselves. So part of the way that we get powerful is when we get in the word and we start to partner with truth, all of a sudden we begin to believe what he's really saying about us. And it's coming from two different angles. So, you know, you're getting tag teams, you're reading the truth and you're going, okay, yeah, that's the word. Yeah. I want that in my life. But the Holy Spirit inside of us is saying, yes, 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 that's it. Do it. Yes. I believe you can do this. And so we're getting tag teamed and we begin to be transformed. But if all we're doing is getting negative messages around us and we're not in the word and we're not getting truth around us, then the Holy Spirit is not going to, you know, it's not going to overpower the external messages, I should say, that are around us. We've got to, in our own world, take responsibility to get the truth inside of us 
And then the Holy Spirit will also resonate. So yeah, I mean, I think that over time we grow in that, the older we are, sometimes it's harder because we have habits that have been established. Sometimes if we've also had pretty hard childhoods, I think sometimes if we've never had someone believe in us or we weren't given what we needed, we also have a journey. So, you know, I think the main thing is not to be ashamed. One of the messages that I really like to, I guess, acknowledge when the enemy comes is the enemy likes to say, you should, you should know better. You should be better. You should be further along. And the messages of the I should is really a message of shame, shame on you. You should be better than, you should be a better wife. You should be a better husband. You should be a better leader. You should have more influence. And so really acknowledging that we're not called to be complete. We're called to be a student. So anytime I start to feel the enemy saying you should, I just go, no, 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 no. That's a message of shame. I am on my way. I am a child of God. I am a person of truth. I am on a journey. I am okay. I am right on time. I am right on time and I'm not going to miss a thing. I serve the God that holds time and space. I am not going to miss a thing. I'm right on time. I'll I'll let that message kind of resonate in my spirit. And it really does help me go a lot further in my journey in Christ and like open up possibilities and see the possibilities in a different way for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. One of the questions we love to ask, because this whole idea of one life is we try and encourage people to take risks and to dream big and to live their life on purpose. So what's the biggest risk you've ever taken and how did it turn out on the other side? Oh, that is a great question. Probably one of which I've never been asked, um, <laughs> which is a, I mean, it's such a good question. What's the <laughs> risk that I took that was a big risk? Um, I mean, I feel like all along I've had risks. Right. Um, yeah. I would say probably one of my most um, the biggest risk was definitely starting Truth the Table. I felt that was a huge risk for me. I, I did not know what would happen. But honestly, this year probably was the biggest risk I've taken this year. We were leading a movement called Moral Revolution, which is a nonprofit organization based out of Redding, California. And the object of that ministry was to write healthy sexuality curriculum for churches and schools and even the public school system. And so we spent five years doing that. And in the May of last year, I heard the Holy Spirit really speak to me and said, it's time for you to let that go. And you're basically, if you hold on to it, you're going to hurt the movement. They, it needs to expand and you you can't do truth to table and more revolution at the same time. You can't, you can't really build both of them worth where they're at in the growth process and plan. And so June of this last year, we put in our resignation and said, okay, we're going to go full time into truth to table, having four kids and saying goodbye to a salary and saying goodbye to a team and saying goodbye to all of that and being willing to go out on our own has been one of the greatest risks. But I'll tell you what, God has been faithful the entire time. He's been faithful to us. And um, I told my husband, even uh, last week we were on a walk and I said, I have never been this healthy. I've never seen God come through like this, but I've also never known that we've been in such a place of risk. I mean, if God doesn't show up this month, then we don't know, you know, we are out, we're right. out on a limb, but um, I like it. I, I like it. It's like, you know, I, I want our kids to be able to see that we took risks. I don't want to go look at our kids and say, well, you know, our 401k is full and, you know, we never moved houses and we never left church. And I think there's something about being consistent, but I think there's something about being able to look at our kids in the eyes and say, when God said, do it, we did it. 
And you know, we don't risk to risk. That's not the important thing. We risk when God says, when God says go, we go. And when God says stay, we stay. And it's the obedience of it. And then I'll say this. When I was like in my young 20s, I remember just battling, God, you want me to do this? You want me to do that? And I'm sure you guys relate. Like the early 20s, you just have this antsiness. There's just something about it because you're not really yourself yep. yet. You're not married. Maybe the person you're going to, and you think, well, when I get married, it's going to look a certain way. And your life is kind of undefined in your 20s, early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like in panic, do I go here? Do I not? Do I join? Do I go to school or do I not? And just this tension. And I remember someone saying, God can't bless you if you stand at the threshold of your life. You're going to have to make a move. And God is really good at slamming doors. And I thought, I'd never heard that before. I think I was so panicked that I would miss God that I would just stand at the threshold of my life and go, I don't want to make take a risk. And so I began in my life to step out and realize, okay, God, I'm going to step out and apply. I'm going to step out and visit this area. I'm going to step out and you are good at closing doors. And so when you close the door, I'll be quick to respond, but I'm always going to step out and make my first step first. I'm never going to wait, 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 wait. So that was very important for me. So for, for your listeners today, I would say, some of them are waiting and I would say, step out, send the email, apply, see if something opens and let God be good at closing doors. And then if you want a yes from God, God has no problem giving you a double confirmation. So step out, get the confirmation and then ask him for one more confirmation. He has no problem confirming things twice. That's so good. It's really great. I love it. That uh, speaks exactly (laughs) to the world that we're living in. So we completely get that. So, all right, before we close it up here, we like to ask these three questions before we end every episode. It's a little bit of a lightning round and it's this, (laughs) what's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? So what's a book that's changed your life? Well, lots of books. I, I mean, unique books. The one that I'm really enjoying right now is, it's not a spiritual book, but it's called How to Have a Good Day. And it's by Carolyn Webb. And that book has revolutionized my life recently. I mean, I just have enjoyed it. And it's really about the, your neurology and how to get your brain at a place of discovery versus defense. And it just, I believe that science tells us the story of what God has already told us. And it really reveals the hand of God. And so the scientific evidence has just been revolutionary to me. So I'm enjoying that book called How to Have a Good Day. And then the habit that has helped me, this is going to sound hysterical, but honestly, the habit of making my bed every single day has been (laughs) huge for me. And I just, I've just committed to that every single day. I'm going to get up and make my bed. And I think it's about being able to look at my, my life from where I'm getting up every day and seeing like, I'm going to make my bed and be true to that. And when I get in at night, it's the thing that's kind of sets my day up every single day. So for your listeners, I would say, make your bed every single day. It will change your life. And then, um, what was the last one? What advice would you give to the younger you? Um, I would say be gracious, be empathetic because you've never been here before. Mm -hmm. And I think if I had been a little more gracious with myself and allowed myself to be in process and just had had that message, you've never been here before. You don't have to be an expert. I think I would have felt a lot better. And even today, I would say that same message. You don't have to be an expert. You've never been here before. You've never had four kids. You've never been 40 years old. You've never lived in Redding, California this long. (laughs) You know, just that ability to give ourselves grace and empathy and to say, I'm still learning as a young woman to have said, you're going to come a long way. There's a lot of things you're going to learn and you can only learn it by mileage. You can't learn it by head knowledge. You got to just have life. And if I had just allowed myself 
to know that. And I'll, even at 25, your, you know, your frontal lobe kind of changes and it, you, your brain stops kind of growing and now you kind of have what you have. And my world cleared up about 25. I remember feeling clear. And I think for some of your listeners that are younger, just give yourself time. Give yourself time to be 25 and let that brain kind of form and function and you'll feel a lot better about your life. Some of you, it's just mileage. Yep. That's so good. I love it. So, so good. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know there's going to be people who say, Hey, how do I find out more information about her? Where can they follow you? How can they connect with you? Where's all the, all the places? Well, I'm on the socials most days. So you guys can definitely find me. I am Havala Cunnington, full name, HavilaCunnington.com. You can find me there. And I have my own um, Facebook, Instagram, but then also truth to table has its own Instagram and uh, truthtable.com is where you can find our community, our tribe community. And so come find us, come say hi. And if you heard me at One Life, make sure you give me a shout out and I will, uh, I'll like your comment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll link to all of that in the show notes so people can check it out. But thank you so much for being here. And thank you for this incredible book, Stronger Than the Struggle. I hope people go and pick it up. It's really powerful. I think you guys are amazing. I've enjoyed my time. I I love my Southern friends and um, this podcast is, is really amazing. I can't wait to share this with my community. Thank you so much, Abla. All right, take care. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What an amazing conversation. It was so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I hope you guys are as pumped up as we are. Gosh, I'm pumped up. I'm going to keep listening to it because that is so encouraging and so inspiring. So, so thankful for her story and the impact that her family and her ministry is making in the lives of so many. Yep, guys, I hope you'll go check out her new book, Stronger Than the Struggle. We are doing a giveaway this week over at our Instagram account, One Life Tribe. So come find us over there if you'd like to enter. And as always, you can find all the links mentioned in today's episode over in our show notes at our website, onelife.works. Hey, and if you haven't had a chance yet, subscribe to the podcast, share, tell people about it. It really means a lot to us. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening every single week. Well, we're going to close the show out like we do every single time. And I, again, I'm imagining all these people out there saying say it, it with, with us. us. <laughs> so we're going to say it together. We're going to say it loud. Say it proud. Remember, you only get one life. Live, Live it, it well. well.